The following is a hoop ball presentation. Hello and welcome to the Hoop Ball Minnesota Timberwolves podcast. My name is Stuart Burkhart. I am your host. You can follow me on Twitter at beefstu69. That is B E E F S T U 69. And be sure to check us out over at hoop-ball.com. All the basketball content you're looking for, DFS, fantasy, betting content, and other team podcasts like this one, you can find all that over at hoop-ball.com. So today on the show, I do want to recap the Timberwolves 108-120 to loss to the Memphis Grizzlies that occurred just now uh, as I'm recording this on Friday evening. You're all going to be listening to it on Saturday, April the 3rd. So let's talk Grizzlies. And firstly, this game started out okay. The Timberwolves were sort of competitive, and at the end of the first quarter, it was a two-point game. And at the end of the half, it was a two-point game. And you're kind of sitting there going, okay, you know, the Wolves have had a couple moments where they've dug some holes for themselves, and they got down by eight or ten points at certain points in the second quarter, but you kind of looked at it and went, they're pulling it together. They're playing competitively with a borderline play-in team. And it felt good. And the reason they were playing competitively with a borderline play-in team was largely because of Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns and because of Nas Reed. And those are the three guys we're going to talk about positively tonight. We're going to have a lot of negative things to say about other guys, but let's keep going with the game script here. So the end of the first half... It's 66-68, and you're kind of sitting there going, well, maybe this is just the game where the Timberwolves play a good game, and sure, they have some moments where they go on some runs, the other team goes on some runs, but the thing I kept thinking in the back of my head as I'm watching this and as I'm at halftime is these runs keep happening, right? But the thing is the 10-point runs, they were never the Timberwolves go on a 10-point run and then they play even, and then the Timberwolves go on a 10-point run. So the Timberwolves were never up by more than two points in this game. And that was the thing that really made you feel like eventually Memphis was going to put their foot on the gas and they were just going to go and, and win the game. And that's what happened. Um, essentially, this game came down to a couple of things, one of which was Memphis made a ton of three-pointers. Um, they made 19 threes, which is obviously a lot, and they shot 48%. So they took 39 three-pointers. They shot 44% overall from the field as a team. The Timberwolves also shot 44% from the field as a team, but shot 36% from three-point. At the end, this game was not as close as the score might indicate. It became a blowout. Uh, towards the end of the third quarter and into the fourth quarter, this game really did become just a mess of a game, an absolute blowout. It was not fun to watch. The first half was fun to watch, but the second half was not fun to watch and left me feeling very discouraged. Let's start to go through 
and talk about individual players and their performances. I do want to mention before we start to go through that Ricky Rubio was not available for this game. Um, some kind of injury has him out now, so hopefully that's not a long-term thing. I haven't seen anything about it outside of that. But Jordan McLaughlin started, and he was fine. He had six points on two three-pointers and four assists in 33 minutes. He was a minus six. He played okay. He made a couple of really nice plays, some great passing, uh, some good defensive plays. But he, he was not very assertive. And playing off-ball a lot, because Anthony Edwards was playing on the ball a lot, and Anthony Edwards was really good on the ball. He was 9 of 14 from the field. That's very good, 64%. 2 of 3 from 3, that's very good, 66%. He had 3 rebounds, that's not great, but whatever. 6 assists, which is fantastic. As I said, he was their primary ball handler for the entire game, basically. A steal and 2 blocks. As we talked about with the Knicks game, Anthony Edwards can be a very opportunistic defender, and he can pile up defensive stats by finding ways to get steals and blocks and creating turnovers to create transition offense. And he's quite good at it, actually. I'm pretty impressed with Cat's ability to do that, but I'm I'm not sold on... Or excuse me, with uh, Anthony Edwards' ability to do that. I'm obviously not sold on him as a defender. I don't think he's a very good defender at this point. Um, so in this game, overall, he had 22 points. Um, he had one of his most efficient scoring nights. He didn't chuck up a bunch of bad shots, which was both shocking and really refreshing to see. And he ended up being a minus five. So he flashed some defensive chops in this game. And obviously, he's so unbelievably athletic that he's going to be able to, you know, it's not like it's not like Malik Beasley and D'Angelo Russell, and we'll get to Malik Beasley, but it's not like, you know, those guys, they just physically don't match up with other players. I mean, D'Angelo Russell is physically not able to match up with someone like John Morant. Anthony Edwards physically can match up with just about anybody. Remember, there was a time they were starting him at the four. So... I'm very much in the camp of Anthony Edwards can be a really good defender. We'll see. He needs to put it together. He needs to learn a lot. Um, and it's going to take some time. This isn't something where he's suddenly just going to become, you know, a smaller Jaden McDaniels and he's suddenly just going to become this fantastic defender. It's going to take time because he has to learn a lot about defensive rotations. And, you know, it's going to take, take a lot of coaching and a lot of time. Fortunately, he's 19 years old, so there is lots of time, and he should be able to learn those things. Now, in terms of speaking of defense and its role on this team, Jaden McDaniels had a bad game. I have been going very out of my way to praise Jaden McDaniels because I think he's really good, but he had a bad game here. He wasn't particularly assertive on the defensive end. I mentioned um, after the Knicks podcast uh, things to look for in this game. I said, who's Jade McDaniels going to be guarding? And the answer was not John Morant. It was not Dylan Brooks. The answer was just whoever was playing the four. 
He was just guarding uh, Brandon Clark or Kyle Anderson. And those guys are fine. But when you have a defender like him, you know, like Kyle Anderson was 2 of 8 from the field. That's great that he was able to do that. And Clark was 4 of 10. Like, you know, obviously he was really valuable as a defender. But then you look at some of the, like, I just want to see him on the other team's best player all the time. Maybe that's not always the best strategy. But they put him on Luka. They put him on James Harden. I don't see why you wouldn't put him on John Morant. It worked out. Actually, weirdly, I do want to talk a little bit about Memphis's just looking at the game. Memphis was basically, early on, the Jonas Valanciunas show and the Grayson Allen show. Grayson Allen shot five of seven. All five of those, all seven of the shots were three-pointers. So he had 15 points. Didn't go to the free-throw line. Nothing crazy. Jonas Valanciunas... In 22 minutes, he had 19 points and 11 rebounds, including six offensive rebounds. In 22 minutes, he had more rebounds than the entire Timberwolves team had on the offensive end. He had more offensive rebounds than the entire Timberwolves team had. And that was a theme for this game. In total, the Grizzlies grabbed 14 offensive rebounds. The Timberwolves, five. Rebounding is such a problem for this team, even when Carl Anthony Towns is out there. Because Jaden McDaniels isn't a great rebounder, and that's sort of the point I want to get at with Jaden is rebounding is part of defense. Defensive rebounding is part of defense, and Jaden is not very good at it. Obviously, he is 19 and looks like a stick, so he can improve as a defensive rebounder. We shall see if he does that. Moving right along, though, um, talking of rebounding, Carl Anthony Towns in this game was 11 of 25 from the field, 7 of 7 from the line, and had 16 rebounds. So the thing is he, he played 34 minutes, so he was getting, he was basically the only Timberwolf who was rebounding consistently. The problem that I mentioned with the Wolves only shooting 36% from three, a lot of that was Carl Anthony Towns' fault. He shot one of eight from three. It's going to happen. I mean, he's the type of player who can shoot one of eight from three and still have a good game. He had 30 points, he had 16 rebounds, and it's crazy. But that's like not that crazy of a game for him. That's sort of what I expect. Okay, he shot 45% and had 30 points and 16 rebounds. Good. That's what I want out of Carl Anthony Towns. So he's going to get into shooting funks. It'll happen sometimes. But the fact is, even though early in the game he was trying to find his shot and he couldn't, he was still really, really productive, especially offensively. Defensively, he had so many problems with Jonas Valanciunas. But offensively, he was absolutely fabulous. And the last starter that we have not yet talked about is, of course, Mr. Malik Beasley. 
Malik had his worst game of the season, I think. I feel pretty confident saying that. He was awful. 2 of 12 from the field, 1 of 5 from 3, a minus 18, no defensive stats, 3 rebounds, no assists, 5 points. I mean, it was just bad. He, obviously, he wasn't hitting his shots. Nothing was going down for him. I mean, towards the end of the game, I specifically remember him missing a layup that was, you know, when you talk about missing a layup, it was a layup. And it was just an awful game. And I like to think that's a one-off. Because in the last game from him, we got exactly what you would want out of him, which is 20 points, and he shot and made five threes, I think. That's what we wanted of Malik Beasley. And he can get there. But there's going to be bumps along the way. Because unlike someone like Jaden McDaniels, like Jaden McDaniels was bad in the sense that he was in foul trouble, he didn't score. But it's not like Jaden McDaniels was bad defensively. It's not like he was just letting guys beat him. He was bad at rebounding, but he was he was doing some stuff that was helpful. Malik Beasley just was not doing anything whatsoever. And I'm seriously starting to get concerned about how bad is this backcourt going to be defensively when D'Angelo Russell returns. Because as much as Jordan McLaughlin is undersized, he is a better defender than D'Angelo Russell. Because almost every point guard in the NBA is. It's rough. And it's it's going to be something we're going to have to deal with and something we're going to have to talk about is how does this team stop anybody once D'Angelo Russell's back? I know it will make them better defensive or offensively, right? D'Angelo Russell is a good scorer. So no doubt this team will score more points when D'Angelo Russell is back. But how will the the other end of the floor work? It's something I'm so curious to see, and I hope he's back. I know he's supposed to be back this upcoming week sometime. We don't have an official timeline. Well, we had an official timeline seven weeks ago, and it was four to six weeks. So I think we're going into week eight now of four to six weeks. Let's see if he's back next week. I say that every podcast now. I'm just like, all right, let's... Let's see if he actually comes back or if it ends up being week eight of four to six weeks and then week nine of four to six weeks. It's hard to tell, especially a lot of times when you're a team that doesn't necessarily. I do think the team benefits from having D'Angelo Russell play because I think seeing him with Carl Anthony Towns and Malik Beasley and Anthony Edwards and Jane McDaniels, it gives you an idea of where you actually are as a franchise. But I do think as well there is a little bit of an ancillary benefit to him not playing in the sense of if you lose more games, you have a better chance of keeping your pick. Now, I know that we're going to have to get into that at some point, and in fact, I, I do want to, in the future here, in the near future, do a show where I just talk, what are the lottery odds in certain slots, what do the other teams look like, how likely is it the Wolves actually get their pick? And I can tell you right at the top, just from what I know now, without having done a deep dive into it, it's not likely they get their pick back. And the way to think of it is, they don't own their pick from this year. The Golden State Warriors own their pick from this year. 
Now, if it happens to be a top three pick, the Golden State Warriors have to give it back, and then the Wolves pick next year would go to Golden State. But I definitely think that's the way to think of it, is that it is Golden State's pick. It is so difficult and so disappointing to think of the fact that you have, you know, it's very likely at this point the Wolves finish in the bottom three with a top three pick chance, but then they'll only have a 40% chance of getting a top three pick. I'm anti-draft lotteries generally. We'll get into all that. I promise I'll do a podcast specifically on the draft, on draft lottery coming up. So we will get all into that, I assure you. For now, I do want to finish up the discussion of Wolves-Mavs and talk about the bench a little bit. And again, just sort of wrap to wrap up the D'Angelo Russell discussion because he's going to get mentioned until he's back. But I don't know how this team works defensively when he's back. It is going to be rough. That is certainly, I think, an understatement. I think it's going to be a very difficult... I just don't see how they defend anybody. They're going to try to win every game 130 to 135. I don't see that as a particularly effective strategy. All right, let's talk about the bench. And here, my basic summary of the bench is everyone was bad except for Nas Reed, and Jalen Noel was okay. Now, they sort of went with a, they went with a nine-man rotation, as Finch has been doing lately. So Jalen Noel came off the bench. He was okay. He had nine points. So he, scoring-wise, did what you wanted to do. He had nine points. He hit a three. He had three assists. Those are all things you want him to do. And then he turned the ball over four times. He was bad defensively. He ends up being a minus 15. It was rough, but you're going to get those nights. I mean, I'm not too worried about Jalen Noel. He's not a great defender. He is sort of just a, a bench scorer who you're hoping to get 9 to 12 points from off the bench, and that, that's pretty much the extent of Jalen Noel. Josh Okoge, back in the rotation. Nice to see him back on the floor. And nice to see that he cleared protocols and everything is good with him, that he's okay. Obviously, that's the most important thing. He made a shot, and it was a three. One for four from the field. He had three points. He did have a steal, two rebounds, uh, two turnovers. One of those steals was for sure in garbage time. And... eh. He was a minus three, so I think a lot of that was bought back late in the game when the Wolves were kind of already out of it, and he sort of sparked them back a little bit just with, you know, defensive play, that kind of stuff. Not much from Josh Kogi there. The two guys that I do want to talk about a lot are Juancho Hernan Gomez and Nas Reed. Now, I want to end on a positive note, which means we're going to talk about Wancho first. Wancho played 16 minutes. He shot one of four. He shot two of four from the line. He had four rebounds. He had no defensive stats. He was a minus 16. 
coming into this year, Wancho was supposed to be a spot-up shooter who could occasionally do a, a couple other things for you. He is not a good spot-up shooter. He is not a good defender. He's an okay rebounder. That is about the only thing I can say about him right now. I mean, just to pull it up here, uh, to illustrate how bad Juancho Hernan Gomez has been, really, because he has been really bad. One of the worst players on the team, frankly. To illustrate that, last year with the Timberwolves, he shot 42% from three. Now, overall in the season, he shot thirty-one point or 34.1%. This year, he's shooting 31.5% from three. He's bad. He's just bad, man. If he's not able to knock down threes at an above-average clip, he's kind of useless. He'll occasionally do some good stuff defensively, but for the most part, it's rebounding is the main thing that he provides that not a lot of other people on the team provide. He just can't shoot. So that's really frustrating. But you know who can shoot? My guy Nas Reed. Those of you who have been listening know that I heavily encourage Nas Reed to put up multiple threes a game. Because I think he's a good shooter. And I'm pretty sure the numbers back me up on this. But Nas Reed was 5 of 7 from the field. 2 for 2 from 3. 6 of 7 from the line. He had 5 rebounds, 2 blocks. He was only he was a plus 2. Here are the Timberwolves who were positive. Nas Reed, who played 22 minutes. Jake Laban, who played 4 minutes and 27 seconds. Jared Vanderbilt, who played the same. And Jarrett Culver, who played 3 minutes and 47 seconds. Those were the only Timberwolves who were positive the entire game. Now, I know Nas got some of that garbage time down the stretch. So the little late run at the end to make it more respectable. Nas was part of that. But he kept them in this game during the second quarter when Carl Anthony Towns came out. And, for the record, the Carl Anthony Towns-Nas Reed lineup, I so desperately wanted to see more of it. And since Chris Finch has taken over, we've gotten more of it. Just for statistics' sake, Nas Reed this year is shooting 52.1% from the field and 34.9% from three-point on 2.3 attempts a game. That's exceptional for a big man. I mean, for an undrafted free agent who's your backup center, Gerson Rosas and the front office have to be ecstatic with the way Nas Reed has performed. And at times, he was one of the better defensive players on the floor. He really needs to work on the rebounding. That, I think, is the main thing holding him back. He can hold his own defensively at times. Sometimes it's bad. Sometimes it's okay. 
He's obviously undersized for a center. But I love him playing next to Carl Anthony Towns. And I hope we see more of that. I love the big lineup. It's so fun. And I think it's good for the Wolves. Tell you what, before the next podcast, I will actually look into the big lineup and look at it statistically and see if this is just me liking Nas Reed. But I think that if when you actually look at it, the um, the stats will back me up on this. Nas Reed playing with Carl Anthony Towns has got to be one of the best combinations of, of two players in the court for the Wolves, I would imagine. Well, up there, obviously, the best, just, again, spitballing here. I'll look into this. Jaden McDaniels and Carl Anthony Towns is probably going to be the best one. Um, so, yeah, Nas Reed, love it. Love to see it. And quickly, before we go, I do want to give a shout-out to a former Timberwolf who we got to see tonight, and that is, of course, Tyus Jones, the backup point guard who, if he was on our team right now, would be our starting point guard. All right, folks, that's all I've got for you today. Thank you so much for listening. Again, be sure to check us out at hoop-ball.com, all the basketball content you're looking for over at hoop-ball.com. We'll see you next time. This has been a Hoop Ball presentation.